Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fro and the Flow. We're back. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. I'm your host, Ralph Compiano. I'm joined, as always, by the Martian, Jack Martin. Doesn't need a foul call to get buckets. You don't need to call him James Harden. Swerving the paint, getting in the left. I might just come here and drop some cleft with a treble. What's popping? How are we doing? I know. Did you hear that? I don't, I'm just going off the top. I'm just going off the top. Tasty. No cool. I might have to start with the put, treble. I'm gonna put some instrumentals on the instru- on the intro from here on out. We taking everyone music class, dog. For real, for real. I've had I have some crazy music class stories. I don't know if I'm allowed to share them on podcasts. Dude, we gotta bust out the xylophones. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, the Glockenspiel. Bulls, 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 bulls. Four and zero. First time since '96 or '98, I think, when they went 69 and 13. So it's been you guys are on five years. You guys are on pace for 65 more wins, or actually 78 more wins, technically. Um, go ahead. You have the floor. We'll t- I'll tell everybody what we're talking about after you talk about the Bulls for a second. We're smoking on that Detroit Pistons pack, baby. Four and oh, smoking yes, that Central sir. Division pack. Yes, sir. It. I haven't felt like this about the Bulls since literally Derrick Rose was on the team. Since probably 2012, I haven't been this excited. I don't know. I was in the United Center on Friday night. I'm going back again tomorrow. Fucking everything's clicking. Lonzo's so fucking nice with this team. I think he's been the number one game changer for everything. Getting boards, getting assists, playing great D. Caruso's been a fucking animal on defense. Levine, obviously a tank. Um... You see his thumb injury today, a little bit concerning, but we're going to fight through it. Vucevic, not, I think. Not I on think a he, shooting hand. Yeah, I think we've talked about it. I think Vucevic is right now like the odd man out, still trying to figure out his place a little bit. Um, I don't know. I like, I'm like. i happy with where we're at. I wasn't expecting 4-0. and um, Take what you can get. we got a fucking tough schedule up ahead the next couple weeks, a lot of competitive games. But based on everything I've seen, if the defense keeps up like this, if the offense continues to – explode like this what i would like to see is a little bit more offensive consistency it seems like we're kind of scoring a lot of big bursts getting out to these huge leads and we would see it a lot last year but they would just like not be able to hold on to the lead in the fourth quarter a lot of blown games last season kind of had some uh ptsd on thursday or well no tuesday we were playing toronto um but i don't know man this bulls team is fun the bench i love javante green man that guy's a fucking energy machine. He's my bench guy for this season. He's the guy I'm going to be rooting for. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I don't know what things are going to be looking like in two, three weeks down the line. But by all indications, how everything's going so far, I think we'll probably still be like the number one team in the Eastern Conference and probably win the NBA championship in like four times in a row. Okay, sweet. So. I love the expectations. I love the high hopes. I'm not here to crush them. You guys are 4-0. Um, we can bring up the fact that you guys have beaten four teams that have a combined record of 2-12. and 12. Doesn't matter. Don't matter. Win's a win. Like, that that game against Toronto, like, that's a game last year they would they would have blown that game in the fourth. Um, but because they do have the dogs that we've talked about in the past, like, you have so many options to close now. Whereas, like, if Vooch is hot and he's going against a mediocre center, you can close with him, I think, at some point this season. But right yeah. now they're relying on Levine and DeRozan. Those are two good guys to rely on down the stretch of the fourth because DeRozan can really get off his shot like almost whenever he wants still. Like mid-range, fade, he's still got that Kobe patented footwork. He's averaging I mean, like he's, 23 a game. He's been right. great. He's been phenomenal, dude. 
and he's fun to watch too. So like that's the thing with this team is they're not just playing good; they're also really fun. And I, I think that's important because they have they have to be having fun in order to like sustain this. Like if they were four and zero right now and they were winning every game by only ten points, but it was like eighty nine seventy nine slogs, it wouldn't mean as much as it is the fact that they're going for like one ten to one twenty every night. Exactly, and you know the both of us. Uh achieved degrees in communication so we understand body language better than most people and i think just looking at zach levine is the biggest indicator of how different this season is especially during like the jim boylan era you would just like look at him in the third quarter down 30 and jim boylan just like being an idiot in the huddle and you would just see him just like looking up at the scoreboard just he looked miserable but now he's having fun he keeps talking about how like good this group is Everything just meshing, dude. And Caruso, I think the Lakers are really missing Caruso. We'll obviously talk about Lakers in a little bit, but Caruso has been like the fucking glue guy. He's closing. He's closing with the starters. He fucking played great D. He's leading the league in steals. As of yesterday, he had the most steals. Like per game, when you broke it down, he was last, but regardless, he's just bringing energy. They just have a new energy, dude. They're just like, it's just so rejuvenated. Like this truly. I've been in and around the United Center of the Bulls for the last decade, and I it, it has not felt like this since 2012. It has that that energy, and that's also huge. I, I was just watching the Lakers Thunder game, and um, there are two people sitting courtside at the Thunder game in, in Oklahoma City right now, which is sad, right? That's never going to exactly, happen in a Bulls dude. game, like. I mean that that's I mean we could talk about that on another podcast, but just like what Presti's doing there, it's honestly like I think it's kind of disgraceful. Just cause like twenty nine other teams have been like committing to winning since they implemented the new rules and the new lottery changes and stuff exactly. like that. But the Thunder are just intentionally tanking still, and it, it kind of frustrated me just seeing it. Like like those guys are playing hard still. Like Lou Dort, SGA, fucking Derek Favors is there now. But uh, but yeah, the Bulls. It's um I have like this next two weeks is going to define them at least for the first half of the season because, you know, they had some cupcakes the first four games. That's fine. They won. They You're supposed to beat those teams. I said in our group chat, good teams beat bad teams every single time, and now they're a good team and they're beating those bad teams. We'll see what happens when they run into other good teams. Um, they have Brooklyn on the schedule, Philadelphia. They play New York. When this releases, it will be tonight. So for us, we're recording on Wednesday night. It'll be Thursday night. That'll be a great game. Chicago, New York, that's back. Um, I don't know if that was ever, like, I don't know if that was ever, like, a real rivalry in the 90s just because it was Mike, but, like, the fact that, like, this is going to be, like, you got Julius and Levine, two high-scoring guys that the offenses ran through. You got RJ and DeRozan, a couple of good sidekicks. You got Kemba and Lonzo, like, uh, Mitchell Robinson and Vooch. We'll see how that matchup pans out. So, um, no, I'm pumped for you guys. I'm pumped for the league. The league is a lot better when the Bulls are good. Um, and the Knicks, dude. The- when the Bulls, Knicks, and Lakers – are all playing, they're all competitive. I know, blah, 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 fucking big market teams, whatever, but that's just the reality of it. Nobody's getting fucking excited because the Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves are fucking good. No one gives a shit. It's the big market teams. It's the three biggest markets with their bad, the NBA doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel right. Like, when you were watching a Lakers game or a Bulls game on national TV and you just, you see the decals of the fucking court, you see the players, you see the star, it just, it hits so much differently. And that's what's so great about it. And it's just being in the city, being at the game. I can't wait to go tomorrow. Fucking, oh, my God. It's Joakim Noah night. They're honoring Joakim at half court. Derek Rose is going to be back. Tid is going to be back. Taj is going to be back. It's going to be a fucking packed house. Everyone's going to be pumped. It just You can feel the city behind the Bulls, man. And it's really – it's exciting. 
Um, I haven't really, I feel like a kid again watching the Bulls, and so it's, it's been awesome. Look at that, Billy D. He's brought out the child in you. I'm happy for you. Exactly, dude. And you know what? I'll be a free agent NBA fan once LeBron finally retires in 2027. Come so, to the Bulls. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll become Bulls fans together. Um, all right, let's move on to the Lakers. Got a big win last night in overtime against the Spurs. Um, they also beat the Grizzlies. Have had a lot of tight games for the Lakers. So um, it's been interesting to see who they close with down down the line there. Um, AD's been tremendous. LeBron's obviously out right now. Um, and then Westbrook's been pretty good the last two nights, and they're playing Oklahoma City right now. They're actually down to Oklahoma City right now in the fourth quarter, which isn't great, but they'll probably close this one out, fingers crossed. Um, I like what I saw from Westbrook and AD last night. They both stepped out with Braun out. Um, yep. You expect that, right? A former MVP and a guy who could have been the finals MVP um, a calendar year ago. Um, it's really just going to be about, like we talked about in the last basketball-centric episode, the role players. Does Melo step up last night against the Spurs? Melo didn't score a single point for 30 minutes, and then he finally hit a two. Um, Austin Reeves is getting a lot of playing time right now, which is cool. Like, I guess he's their new Caruso, just a little bit skinnier and, like, whiter than Caruso, if that's possible. A guy who was bald with a headband, they somehow found a whiter dude to stick in that rotation. Um, still don't have Kendrick Nunn or Taylor Horn Tucker activated. Um, Rondo's still getting some decent playing time. Dwight and DeAndre are kind of bouncing back and forth. But um, I don't know if you've gotten to watch the Lakers yet, but um, they're going to figure it out. They're four games into the season. There's no time to overreact this early in the season, although we just overreacted drastically about the Bulls. Um, but, you know, it's hard to overreact to – people tend to overreact to negatives more than they do positives. Nobody's anointing the Bulls as title favorites right now, but everybody right. wants to anoint the Lakers as the seventh seed. Um, where do you stand on them? I don't even think we've like really talked about them much, like at least your opinion of like their trajectory. Well, I, I mean, that Phoenix game was a mess. I don't know what the fuck was going on there. So after that, the day after that, I saw French Dispatch. And walking out of the theater, I made some kind of comment to Hado about being out on the Lakers. And then today, I was sitting at my desk um, and thinking You folded. About, you folded to Hado because Hado's well, been on. out on the Lakers. Hold on. And I was, I was sitting at my desk thinking about what I had said and what I want to say about the Lakers tonight. And, like, I don't know, I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Why am I doing being like, oh, the Lakers are done four games of the year? No, they have please. LeBron. Yeah, they please, have LeBron. Please. Give, no up, give up on LeBron. Give up on LeBron. No, I'm not going to, because that's just how it fucking <laughs> goes. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to be, like, the fucking La Disney crowd. I mean, it's LeBron. They'll figure out. If they're healthy, sure. I mean, I'm not very, I'm not thrilled about the role players. I mean, you kind of just, what you said about Melo kind of epitomizes what Melo is right now, where he really just had, like, what, 27 the other night and becomes ninth all-time scorer, and then the two nights later he scores, like, four points. Like, they, I just don't know if they have the consistent role players, which obviously the stars are important. They have the stars. If they play well, it's fine. But when you watch the playoffs and you watch the championship, it's really the depth that you need to rely on. And I don't know, man. Obviously, they're the Lakers. It's LeBron. He's a fucking GM. We saw what he did with that one Cavs team where I went in. I went to go take a test. I don't even remember what class is for. I went in to take a test. I walk out, and the Cavs have a completely different lineup. <laughs> it was it was absurd. Was it the year they, they traded D-Wade and Jay Crowder like 40 games into the season? Yes. Yes, when they traded really everybody. And so... 40 games is generous. I, mean, I think they're like 20 games under the season, and they just ditched peanut butter and jelly and then told Jay Crowder to move his dreadlocks to another city. 
dude, they Isaiah Thomas played like eight games for the Cavs, was not right. cutting it. LeBron was like, sorry, man, you're going to the shitty Lakers. Mm-hmm. For Larry Nance Jr., um, who has actually been solid for the Cavs, so I, or is, is he even on the Cavs anymore? No, he's no, not. he got traded to the, or he signed with the Blazers this offseason, but he was good on the Cavs. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm not going to count out LeBron. AD obviously is phenomenal. Westbrook, when he's on, is an MVP. So just got to wait and see. It's obvious, and it's a LeBron team too. So there's all the fucking shit that comes along with it, all the storylines, all the drama. So, I don't, what the, did it, what happened with AD and Dwight on the bench? That was confusing. Aside from the Rondo know. pointing the gun at the fan. I don't know what the fuck, that was so funny that the fan got kicked out for touching Rondo, even though Rondo's just like, I'm gonna fucking shoot you that. The thing with stuff like that is it pops up on Twitter and there's never an explanation for it. This is why they need to have mics on every corner of the baseline. Just like, yes, dude, they need to like do like a hard knocks for the NBA where they're just like releasing that footage. Like hard knocks is doing a mid season thing with the Colts. I don't know if you saw this, but like they're going to do in season hard knocks with the Indianapolis Colts and the NBA hasn't even gotten a preseason yet. Cause training camp's not as big of a deal as it is in the NFL. Everybody kind of takes it easy, but to have, have like Twitter in, though, yeah, but it's not the same. Like, we didn't hear what Rondo was saying to that guy. We can't hear what AD and Dwight are saying. And if there's any team to test it out on, it's this Lakers team because that stuff is going to happen all year. Like, I promise you, like, that's not the last time that AD and Dwight are going to be for DeAndre and Kent Bazemore might, like, touch each other's belly buttons or something. Like, I don't know, dude. It's a, it's, um, it's not the same camaraderie and chemistry as two years ago when they were in the bubble. They won the championship because, like, you know, JaVale's no. a really happy guy. Like, there's different personalities. Like, Westbrook and Rondo fucking hated each other up until this point. And now Rondo's literally driving into the paint kicking out to, to Westbrook. So it's, um, it's fascinating to watch. It's going to be – it's going to unfold all season. But last year they had the template of, fuck it, we don't care what our seed is, let's just get to the playoffs. And yeah. I think that's a fine idea when you have this roster because it is savvy veterans and all that kind of stuff. It didn't work out for them last year because Anthony Davis got hurt. I don't know what happens to that Sun series if he doesn't get hurt or if LeBron doesn't roll his ankle or high sprain his ankle um, like three weeks before that. They probably win that series. But uh, this year I think they're a little bit deeper, like you said. Like, um, But I don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to be fun to watch nevertheless. They're the, they're the like The NBA is the best reality show on all of TV, yeah. and the Lakers are Kim Kardashian. Like, they're the one well, they're going to tune into. Keeping up the Kardashians at its prime was easily the best fucking reality show. But if I was the Lakers, yeah, the idea of, like, gunning for, like, any seed and being like, fuck it, we have LeBron, could work in theory. But at the same time, like, we were just talking about that supporting cast. I mean, obviously, I don't know what additions they're going to make. They don't really... They got rid of any kind of trade pieces they have to get Westbrook. So, I mean, they're not going to be like, very active. They could be active in a buyout market. But, like, off the top of my head, I can't even think of dudes who are on, like, weird contracts that are impact players. Because the guys who got those big contracts, whose play style wasn't really carrying over, but teams are still, like, the Andre Drummond types, where they're definitely, like, overpaid or whatever, those contracts have kind of, like, faded out now. We don't really see those. So there's not really, like, that many, like, skilled dudes who have these, like, fat deals who are going to – I feel like I'm going to be popping out of the buyout market like an Andre Drummond type. So if I were them, I'd still try to gun for a top seed. Just hope you're maybe playing one of the weaker Western Conference teams. Maybe a team that's on a skid or it's gotten hit by some injuries or they made a weird trade that didn't work out. 
just so that they have a little bit of insurance for when they hit the second round. But just because with a roster like this, I don't know how, like, the consistency is the biggest worry, aside from LeBron and AD. Obviously, those two dudes. And I feel like Dwight. Dwight's always been fucking consistent. But everybody else, I think you got to worry about, especially Westbrook. He's like, we know what can happen in the playoffs. Not to say that he's not a good player, but we know what can happen in terms of consistency and efficiency and all that good stuff. So Westbrook is, he's literal dynamite, literal and figurative dynamite. He can either be in your camp or he can be in your opposition's camp, and it just depends on where he blows up. That will control the trajectory of the series. But it's going to be up to Vogel to like decide, like, He's going to have to nut up to Westbrook in situations like, listen, like, against the Warriors, you're not the best matchup for us. Like, they're going to be able to play us tight. You're not as good defensively as you can be um, unless you really commit to the defensive end of the floor. Like, we're better off playing Malik Monk and Taylor Horton Tucker or Kendrick Nunn or Rondo or Austin Reeves, whoever it has to be, Bazemore or whoever, um, just because. You're know, like all this... about Westbrook either going to the bench or just fucking not playing at all. That's like no. the third comment you've made since we started recording about like maybe Westbrook should be like the sixth man or tell Frank Vogel, hey, no, Austin no, 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 Reeves no. should play instead of me. No, my idea with Westbrook was that he is just basically super shrewder this year. And that's good. What I the like fuck? that a lot. Like he's just I don't he's like just that. he's just like like they're replacing Schroeder with Russell Westbrook, a Hall of Famer, first ballot, former MVP, Mr. Triple Double, which is great. Um I love Westbrook. I thought he was awesome last night. I love his tenacity. I love his aggressiveness. Um, there's two shots that I like from Russell Westbrook. I like – he's like a Saquon Barkley type basketball player where if he finds the hole and he gets to the rim, he's just going to finish a layup, which is great. Like I call it like a power layup where he literally just explodes from the free throw line to the baseline in like half of a second, just gets a layup or a dunk. And then the other shot I like from Russell Westbrook is a bank shot, a bank shot from 16 to 21 feet underneath the three-point line. Once he starts jacking threes and airballing like pull-ups that he's not trying to bank, that's when I'm like, holy shit, this guy makes $44 million? Like, what so the much fuck? Money. Like, why? Like, why? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Do you think he misses? Do you think him and James Harden ever miss um, playing in Houston when they get their game checks and they, like, look at the pace that they Actually, uh, who am I kidding? They don't look at the pay stubs. James Harden doesn't like get his paycheck in and be like, "All right, so I lost this much to Social Security." So like, he just he just like swipes a card, and some dude will be like, "Hey man, maybe you didn't need to get a whole plane for just the strippers." <laughs> maybe you didn't need to get a whole plane for little baby and his posse just so you could watch him. Yeah, record. couldn't the little baby got his own plane? I just to get it for him. <laughs> Did you see the car he got Travis Scott? Why is that a thing that they do for each other? They just buy each Bro, other these, cars. these motherfuckers are weird nowadays, dude. Like these like guys like will like buy each other like the cutest chains and like <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's like they could just like like, Travis, of, like buying, I got you a new car. Instead of like um James Harden buying Stormy some new shoes and a new outfit for her birthday, he's literally buying her a house. Like, that's the kind of stuff they do, bro. They're so excessive with their money. like, And they have every right to be. James Harden makes, like I think, like $25,000 a second when he's on the floor, yeah. which is ridiculous. Do you want to talk about him really quick? Because um, he hasn't looked very good. <laughs> hasn't looked very good. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess I let, let, me, let me ask you on your, your status with Harden because we were um, the foremost lovers of him three years ago when we started this yeah. podcast. Um has that love dissipated? Are you still holding on strong to it? But I, I don't know. It's still my fucking dude. Okay. 
That's yeah, my dude too. I, That's my dude too. But like, I don't know. I don't think he's as good as he was three years ago when he was able to get 14 free throws a game instead of he has 12 free throws so far this entire season. No, I agree. Um, I definitely miss him on Houston as like the number one fiddle. Fucking play. dude, that was so fun. Remember that stretch? Remember that 30 game streak? How fucking fun that was. James Harden was must see basketball every night or every other. Like that was unreal. Fuck, I miss that. I don't know how his usage uh, percentage wasn't like 85%. Like when I look at that number and it's like 42, I don't believe that. I'm convinced that the usage percentage was actually like 91. But um, I don't know. I was thinking about it today. Like I was thinking about Steph. And I've dude, really come I, around to Steph like the last two years. Yeah, so I love I. Steph so much. Now that the Warriors so aren't, aren't like just fucking so good. Right. Yeah. Because I fucked this up before. It just, it was a, the Warriors were just fucking annoying. And it wasn't even them so much. It was their fans. Because I really fuck with Clay. Right. right. I fuck with Steph. I even fuck with Draymond just because, like. I fucking he, love Draymond. Yeah, he's the, Dra- he, to me, when I watched Draymond, it was almost like watching, like, a different version of Joakim Noah. No, no, so no. no. Watching Draymond that. is like watching sixth grade me. That's who I was. I was gritty, oh, okay. guarding the other team's best player, point forward, sixth grade me. Didn't have much of a jump shot, but I'd pull it out every once in a while again from like 15, 18 feet. 11-year-old Ralph. His player comp is Draymond Green. Dude, it was. It totally was. And now you know what my player comp is. It's Thunder Harden, except with like an additional like 20% body fat. That's my player comp. You're now. not Thunder Harden. Yes, I, then what am You're I? You're more of a traditional guard. What? What do you mean? I'm like the, mo- I'm like the biggest like... Like, I need that usage percentage. But he wasn't... You're kind of like... you. Sometimes you're kind of like thick labello. Okay, wow. I'm not that gifted of a passer. I do whip dimes, though. Okay, I play every Sunday but, now, and it's so fucking fun. But when you are looking... When you're looking at who we're usually playing with... You're okay, like yeah. Labello. Yeah, the guys I play with on Sunday are a little bit better than the guys that Dude, we Dude, I haven't hooped. I haven't hooped in a minute. I'm assuming my jump shot is absolutely broke. Um, you went from Luke Kennard to Kent Bazemore, bro. Not cool. Without the defensive instincts, <laughs> I dude, I have zero defensive instincts. Never learned them. You know how good of a um, comp that was for me. Those are both lefties, and you're a lefty. That's how talented I am. Um, but I'm sorry. Where were we at? Oh, we're I, I don't about... know. We're on a nostalgia trip, and while we're on it, you know who I've been thinking about a lot lately, and who I really, really, really miss, Demarcus Cousins. God, how fun would he be in today's NBA? Where is he? <laughs> Fucking chilling, dude. I don't know. Where's Boogie? Boogie needs he to be in Beijing. A lot of com- he hosts a lot of comedy festivals. It's just like Boogie's comedy jam. Does Boogie do stand-up? No, nah, he's just like a fucking he's just like a show he just promoter, I guess. Intimidates people into laughing at his jokes. Um, but no, we were on Steph. Yeah. Let me let me let me make my Steph point really quick. Yeah, get it. Heard the stat today. Last year, I just want you to take a, a guess, a wild stab at how many screens Russell Westbrook set across the entire year. 72 games. Russell Westbrook? How many screens did he set? Like off-ball screens, not on-ball screens, but like off-ball screens, like trying to get like setting a floor screen or a pin down. 72 games? Yeah. 7 times 72 for me real quick. Hold on. 7 times 72? That's what? That's like... 504? 504. He set 14 screens last year. Oh. Yeah. I was so off. I was 490 off. Now, my point is, is Steph sets like 14 screens and a half 
in the Golden State offense. Dude, he's always just fucking screens. I love set screens are fun. You gotta set off ball screen. You gotta get open. That's how the shooters get open. It, Golden State basketball is still they're not as fun to watch, but they're still fluid. That motion's still in play. The players around him aren't as good. It's just like you got Andrew Wiggins there, and you're it's that which is still so confusing every time I see it. Andrew Wiggins is good though. He is, but it's still weird. Like Steph Curry shoots from three, and I'm like, why is wait Andrew Wiggins grabbed the offensive rebound? Why isn't he sucking in Minnesota? But this is the point I'm trying to make: is Steph will set 14 screens in a game, and Harden doesn't even think about setting a screen. Harden, if he doesn't have the ball, if he's not engaged in the play with the ball in his hand, he's standing off in the corner doing absolutely nothing. Whereas with Steph, is just working to get open, working to get open as much as he can. And what Golden State's offense is is perfect because. They make, like, you don't have to be a genius-level passer to become a playmaker. Like, as long as you are actively moving and you understand your offense, like, the, like Golden State, like, they can get Nemanja Bielitsa and convert him into, like, another Iguodala-Draymond-type right. player that's, like, catching high screens and just slipping really quick and then dropping off passes to James Wiseman, Kevon Looney, or, like, you know, Jordan Poole in the corner. Whereas when he was in Miami last year, they had no fucking idea how to use him. But once you plug somebody into the Golden State system, it's wraps. Like I can't imagine LeBron in that system. He would be, he, he would average like fourteen and a half assists per game. It's insane because like be Steph, stupid. like Steph isn't the best passer. Like he's even one like the fifty best passers I've ever seen in my life. Maybe a hundred best passers I've ever seen in my life. Right. But he attracts so much attention from the defense, even when he doesn't have the ball. He is a playmaker. It's absolutely absurd how special he is. Um, but, yeah, that, that's really all I got for Steph. I just fucking love him. I, I'm so happy we have him. And I honestly regret not appreciating him as much in, like, the mid-2010s as I Me could too. have just because I was so, you know, drunk on LeBron juice. Same. Yeah, I mean, I was just – I feel the same way, honestly, about LeBron in the early 2010s. I just wish I wouldn't have spent so much time hating on him and just, like, enjoyed it. But I guess that's part of the NBA fan, you know. We grow up. We grow up. Yeah. You know, they're up. going against your team. Um, and I felt the same way about Paul up. George. Like, I, I, I forgot that Paul George's leg snapped in half like a toothpick, and he recovered from that. Dude, and so crazy. 13 Remember best players in the league. That was? It was disgusting. That was so a, not even an Olympic game. A blue and white scrimmage in Vegas. Yeah, that shit sucked, dude. I fucked with Paul George. I've never hated him. I felt bad for him for the rap that he got. Um, whatever, he's fucking hooping. doesn't matter. That's how the league goes. He has ups and downs. I'm rooting for the Clippers uh, this year. Yeah, the league, I I don't know. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. I'm liking the NBA right now. I Obviously, a big part of that is the Bulls being good. I'm, like, so much more engaged. Um, haven't missed the Bulls game yet. Actually, no, I did miss one. But as against the Pistons, I knew they were going to win. Um, but, yeah, it feels good to be fucking dialed in again. Talking moves. It does. I miss this. It's the best league yeah. in the world. I'm like, yeah. I was just talking Dude, to my girlfriend. It's easily the best league it's in like, the world. It's like I get football on Sundays, which is like probably my favorite day of the week because it's like seven hours of uninterrupted commercial free football presented by Scott Hansen at Red Zone. Literal crack. That's my church. But the NBA is every single night. No days off in the NBA except for like the day after Christmas. Yeah. That's but it. then you get Christmas. <laughs> which, and then Christmas is like the best day of basketball. I almost oh like it more than March God. Madness. I like it more than March Madness. We'll, we'll t- oh, yeah, dude. I like the NBA. Like I wake is- up. I wake up. I start watching at like 11. I open a couple presents. I keep watching. Maybe I go see I've got Gems or something in theaters. Come back and watch another game. 
God, I wish Untouched Gems would come out in theaters every year on Christmas so I could just do that. <laughs> no, this is like, no Christmas. On Christmas. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Like this, like this movie schedule, it's it's insane. But um, we can talk about French Dispatch next week because I'm seeing it on Friday. But let's transition in our movie discussion right now. Halloween's yeah, this weekend, pop. Jackie Poo. Halloween, spooky, spooky, spooky. Ooh, all the jitters, the jeepers, and creepers are coming out. I actually just rewatched Halloween, John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween, uh, the other like night. It. Nah, it was mid. It was so mid. Wait, can we add thrillers? Fuck it. Uh, it depends what your definition of a thriller is. Like, we're not. So, Jack and I are doing our top fives. We'll count down from five to one. Um, but like yeah, 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 seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seven, yeah, seven does not count. Like, seven would be in my top five if that counted. Or, like, Gone Girl is a thriller, I guess. Like, pretty much any Fincher movie except for, like, The Social Network is a thriller. I don't think those count. But, like, my horror movies aren't, like, really, like, jump scary, if that makes sense. Like, they're not, like, the fucking grudge or saw. They're not gore porn or anything like that. It's more like these yeah, are horror but movies that are, like, really, really good. I also think that, like, thematically other movies can, like, fit in because you know how, like... I don't know what it's called. ABC Family's Freeform now, but they always have like the 31 nights of Halloween and the other night they had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory on. Right. And I guess that's Candy. Dude, fucking banger of a movie. So fucking good. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You're talking about the Gene Wilder version? Yeah. That was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And then I've never rewatched it as an adult and so then like rewatching it stoned. When we turned it on, it was that tunnel sequence, which as a kid, I didn't know was scary. Scary as fuck, son. And then it turns back and there's like fucking like caterpillars crawling on dude's face and they like, coming out their noses. And I was just like, when the fuck did this happen? Because this wasn't, I don't, I didn't remember that. I think I was probably just sitting there like, oh, this is cool. Like, not even phased by it. But that Bro, movie you know was sick. Like, that, the end of it, like when Gene is like, or when Willie is like essentially just like having a mental breakdown in front of Charlie and his grandpa, like, I'm just an old man who's very lonely and surrounded by Oompa Loompas that are orange and chocolate. Like, I, my life fucking sucks. Do you want to inherit it from me? That's the scariest part of the movie. Yeah. How do you feel about the Chalamet it's prequel? Because I think fucking fuck that movie. What is he going to be doing that's interesting? Like, what was Willy Wonka doing before he's making candy? Unless it's him fucking pressing crack cocaine and distributing that to the Oompa Loompas and getting them on his ship. I don't want to fucking watch the movie. Unless Denis Willy Wonka, or unless Willy Mann's Wonka Willy kills somebody, I don't want it. It should be what Bohemian Rhapsody was too scared to be. It should be <laughs> Wonka fucking throwing down hidden orgies, kidnapping Oompa Loompas, of coke off of Oompa Loompa dicks, and fucking <laughs> making chocolate bars. Fucking go all out or don't go at all. I don't want it. Holy I hope shit. Warner Brothers is listening. I do too. I do too. Get me in the writer's room. And What's also, your... I hope I hate the new Clifford movie too. I'm really mad about that. Oh, that is. We don't have to Did talk you, about that. Have you seen why are you giving no? that? Why are you giving that oxygen on the podcast? Get the fuck out of here. Because the puppies made a CGI. They couldn't even paint a regular puppy red, dude. They have everything's got to be a fucking computer. The puppy you can't even paint a puppy red. Is that like illegal now? Probably, okay, Jack. Jack. What's your fifth favorite horror movie of all time? Can you start? I can't. I need to calm down for a second. I've got a, a tie for number five. Are you ready? Yeah. It's Hereditary and The Strangers. Mm. Now, Hereditary is probably the scariest movie I've ever seen. Um, I watched it last Halloween. 
um, expecting a lot because I had seen Midsommar. So I was like, oh, Ari Aster, really brilliant filmmaker. Let's see what got him Midsommar. So I turn on Hereditary, and it starts out, it opens with like a dollhouse. The camera like moves yeah. in on a dollhouse, and then it becomes real life, you know, live action, all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, this is the most fucked up movie I've ever seen. Like, it, this is also my number five. Okay, it is petrifying. But Dude, my... I saw this movie fucking jolly walloped off of like seven gravity bong heads, like third row. Just bad call from you, bro. Bad call. Uh, yeah, I wasn't like that tweaked out, dude. I, I, me and Hot, remember, I mean, me and Hot have talked about it. We used to watch like Final Destination fucking death compilations on YouTube. Like, I can't really be phased. Yeah, you are um, really sick in the head. And uh, so, someday, we'll, someday we'll get a licensed therapist on the podcast. You'll just open the Zoom and there will be a licensed therapist <laughs> Literally, sitting dude, next to me get, right here. We could get a fucking, like, we could get, like, a child trauma therapist or something in here and I'll talk to them live on the podcast and get to the fucking root. Okay, my time yeah, for fifth is um, I, I have The Strangers, and I just want to talk about The Strangers really quick. The most realistic okay. horror movie I've ever seen. This could actually happen to somebody. It scared the living bejesus out of me. I think it's like under like an hour and a half long. Uh, Liv Tyler is in it. Great performance from her. Um, but it's really just a destination movie, just parked up in some side of some cabin um, after, you know, a proposal go- goes wrong. And uh, I'm really happy to have seen this movie at such a young age because it opened my mind to horror. And I don't think if I had seen this at like nine or ten years old that I would give a flying fuck about horror movies. But I do. I don't love I've them. I've never seen it, but, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the guys with the masks that come, you know. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, so, so we had the same number five. So okay, my number, number four? my number four is another little treat from A24. It's not necessarily a Halloween movie, but some would put it under horror. I would consider it a dark comedy. I'm going to go with The Lighthouse. Okay. Okay. I was thinking about putting it on there. I guess it's a horror. It can count. I love, I've only done it a few times, but I love putting it on the lighthouse people who don't know what it is, and most of the time they just <laughs> fucking hate it You've so done it much. a few times? Yeah. You've been in several locations and, like, been like, yo, you guys want to watch, like, a fun movie? It's, like, about, like, a lighthouse. Yeah, and I don't what's know a lighthouse? How. And you're like, I you know, I, like, I, a 70s, like, club where everybody takes ecstasy and a bunch of lights bounce off of walls and Robert Patton's in a Willem Dafoe right now. I pitch it as that there's a lot of Willem Dafoe fart jokes. Which there are, pitch. dude. There, that's there a good are pitch. so many fart jokes in the lighthouse. The lighthouse m- might have the most fart jokes per minute of any movie in the last four years. I would have to obviously dive in and do a lot of research to find that. But I love that movie. When we saw the film scene, so fucking funny. Sammy getting denied from the film scene concessions for a white clock because he was too drunk. Fucking that square screen, black and white. Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe just screaming nonsense at each other for 90 minutes. I think it's spooky. Whoa. What do you mean you don't like me cooking? You like me lobster, don't you? <laughs> okay, number four. Number four. Ah! Number four, um, number four I'm going to go with um, we'll go with Silence of the Lambs. Fire. Hannibal Lecter, dog. Jodie Foster. That was, that was my three. Mm, Clarice. You must taste like fava beans and a nice candy. I I am guilty of recreating the Buffalo Bill mangina multiple I times. I think most boys our age are. 
Dude, Lennox would not find it that funny when we'd just be like in the kitchen and I'd like go into the stairwell and just fucking tug everything and go, Hey, Lennox, look would at my vagina. Me? I'd fuck would you me. Would fuck me? I'd fuck me. I should fuck that. me so hard. I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great Halloween costume for you. You could parade around. I'd just walk around with the vagina. Yeah. I'd just walk up to every box and say, Would you fuck me? Slap the lipstick on. You could pull it off. I You'd have to it. shave the stash, but you know you nah. can make it work. I yeah, he's bare. He's bare. I won't, have you seen, I won't shave the stash. Have you seen um? Have you seen Manhunter yet? Is that the Fincher Netflix show? So this is no, that's Mindhunter. Manhunter is um, a Michael Mann movie from the mid '80s, and it's um, the original Hannibal Lecter movie. Brian Cox, Logan Roy from Succession plays Hannibal Lecter. And there's it's it's unbelievable. I would strongly encourage anybody who hasn't seen Manhunter and is a fan of Silence of the Lambs to check it out because I'll give you a hint: Hannibal Lecter isn't even the real villain in this movie. There's another guy who plays a he's not directly named Buffalo Bill, but he plays a Buffalo Bill like character, and I promise you he's scarier than Buffalo Bill in the in the Silence of the Lambs that actually won the Oscar. It's called Manhunter. Check it out. I think it's on. Let me find out what streaming service it's on. If it is on one right now, it was on Criterion when I checked it out. It's not. No, on you, still, right you still got Barter's uh, Barter's of login. Of course, of course. I'm thinking about copying my own. I feel guilty. I honestly don't use it enough. Um, all right, that's my number four. What's yours? Yours is Lighthouse. Yep, yeah, and my three was also Silence of the Lamb. So give me your number three. Okay, my number three is Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. Um, <laughs> I just saw that for the first time, and I saw it in theaters. What? I, yeah. Oh, I slept through some of it because I had That's... cookie dough bites, pretzels, and a large Coke Icy and a few <laughs> bongers before, and it was a 1030 movie. And you were such a really gluttonous like, pig. I'm, oh dude, I'm disgusting. I'm oh so gross. Um, and then I wake up in the morning, and it fucking plops out of me, and I just am like, why did I do that? You're a bad person. Ooh, I'm, I'm a bad boy. Bad person. I'm a um, bad person. I watched Psycho for the first time during shot. quarantine, and um, I was under the impression that the shower scene, the most like famous horror scene of all time that we've seen on Twitter thousands of times, the first time I ever saw the shower scene was there was a game called Seen It, which was like a yeah, movie trivia game where you yeah. like, play the DVD clips. I would be Seen so fucking rocks. good at that game now. I'm like We do movie trivia every Thursdays. I've been nailing the movie categories, just absolutely hammering them. Save the eight points for me. Um, but... Just a quick brag. Um, but, yeah, no, I watched it for the first time, yeah, during quarantine. And I, there's a whole movie after the shower sequence. I was under the impression that that was the climax. It's not the Dude, climax. Yeah. It's, like, in the first act. It's fucking nuts. It's um, it's a brilliant movie. I, I didn't understand why people were so obsessed with Hitchcock until I watched this movie. Yeah, dude, that movie's fucking fire. And you know what? Speaking of that movie, it really kind of sparked something for me for my number two. I'm going to go with The Birds by Hitchcock. Okay. I watched that movie for the first time probably in like third or fourth grade. Wow. And it just like really – I don't – yeah, and I really, really liked it. It really stuck with me. And I watched it again like middle school for a class. And I think I've seen it once since – or like one or two times since. And I've always really fucked with The Birds, dude. Like the final scene when she's in the house and the attic and all the birds are coming in. Even though like they look obviously super fake, that that scene is still just I don't know, dude. That movie fucking rocks, and I think it's 
even like the people get scary and there's like so many situations that happen because of the bird like the birds and just the panic that ensues from them showing up that make people act stupid in ways that just like hurt oh, yeah. themselves that movie's such a fucking banger dude shout out I the birds i watched that in, um, in mrs driscoll's english class my freshman year and there was a kid um i won't say his name i'll just say his initials jg um who said from the back of the classroom at one point I am. It's not verbatim quote, but we're watching the movie. Like we're like in the second act, and he says, "Damn, what the fuck's up with all those birds?" <laughs> and everybody just like kind of looked back at him, like, "Damn," because this kid had a reputation. It wasn't the funniest thing I'd ever heard, but now that I look back on him, like, "Damn, that was like comedic genius on his part." Uh, but yeah, the birds. That movie fucking rules. I also just watched. Dude, Vertigo. that's a fucking killer line. I thought it was pretty good. One time. One time during a test, this one dude st- stands up and he just goes, fourth quarter. And my teacher just goes, get out. Fourth quarter. Just the middle of the class. But this he guy's had a, coming down the clutch. But he had a little speech thing. So it was fourth quarter. And it was funny. Fourth um, quarter. Like Denzel Washington and Remember the Titans. Yeah. What's your number two? Um, my number two is Get Out. Jordan Peele's Get Out. Um, I haven't rewatched this recently. My girlfriend hasn't seen it, so I might force it upon her this what? weekend. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I know what happens. Like that doesn't mean shit. You still gotta watch the movie. Um, yeah, that movie is fucking unreal, and I'm really excited for um, what's the uh, the new one called? Is it just called No? I think so. Oh, let me double check. Um, um, yeah, us was like relatively disappointing. I thought it was pretty good. Um, let me double check what it's called. Get Out's my number one. Get Out's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's one of my my five stars on Letterboxd are a little bit skewed because I give out some like not I gave all the all the jackasses are fives, but Space Get Out's Jam, one. A new legacy is five. Get Get Out's one of my like at, like serious fives. Uh, I love that movie. I remember the first time seeing it in theaters, not really being scared, but I kind of think like one of the first times I remember being able to recognize a movie making me genuinely anxious and kind of uncomfortable in how it was making me feel. Um, not necessarily scared, but... Um, it's not yeah, the scariest funny. movie I've ever seen. No. It's like, there might be like two jump scares at the very most. But it rocks, and that's just another movie where um, I think it gets better on rewatches. You're just picking up on something different each time. Um Great performances all around. Daniel Kaluuya is a fucking beast. Kaluuya in this movie, it might be the best horror performance I've ever seen. It's fucking bizarre. He's he's unreal. At some point, we'll do top 20, top 25 actors right now. And he's going to be in the top five, I promise you. He is brilliant. He is brilliant. He hasn't missed. Like, let's just go through Mm -hmm. his filmography really quick. Yeah, I mean, um, Judas is my my number one movie of the year still. he was unreal. He was unreal in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's got Judas. He's going to be in the new Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever. Um, Widows was he great. He was in Kick Ass 2. Uh, Queen and Slim, underrated. Um, yeah. Sicario, get out. Um, so, yeah, this dude, he pulls up and he shows out. That's just what he does. And he's he's a fucking killer. And I'm really excited for him in Wakanda Forever. He's in the torch side. Um, all right. That's your number one? Yeah. That's my number one. Okay. My number one is a little bit different. My number one is it's it's the only thing that could be number one just because i don't know why i return to this movie so often i think i watch it like once every two or three months i have it on dvd 
I adore it. He's one of my three favorite directors of all time. It's The Shining. You know, Stephen King fucking hates it. I fucking love it. Stanley Kubrick must have loved it because he decided to do 120 takes for every fucking scene, and it shows. It's perfect. Every pitch is perfect. It's the only good kid performance in the history of movies. Every other kid performance is dog shit. You can't tell me otherwise, except for maybe one of the um, uh, the brothers from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, one of the Sprouse brothers and Big Daddy. They're pretty good in that. But other yeah, than that, dude, they're solid in Big Daddy. And well, other than that, dozen, I other think than you that, gotta sh- give a couple of those kids a shout no, out. No, 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 Those kids fucking suck in those movies. All of them? Yes, all of them. The frog kid deserved to be bullied by his siblings for sure. That kid was a fucking <laughs> I don't remember any of the character <laughs> intricacies from Cheaper by the Dozen. We're talking about The Shining. It's um another movie that's like, it's kind of like Get Out where it's not like the scariest thing I've ever seen. But there are four sequences in the movie, and if you've seen it enough, you know which ones I'm talking about. Bathtub lady, blood coming out of the elevator, the guy in the teddy bear suit giving head, and then just Jack chasing Danny throughout the maze. Those are four of the scariest things I've ever seen. Um, right up there with Hereditary. And, God, I'm so thankful that Kubrick made a horror movie because it's like he did it better than anybody else. He does most things better than everybody else. His war movies are better than anybody else's. His fucking i don't even know what genre eyes what shut falls under but i fucking i rewatched that movie recently and that's a banger that could be a thriller um yeah it's the shiny dude like i don't even know like i can't say anything that hasn't been said if you want to read deep into it you can if you want to watch it strictly entertainment purposes you can if you want to watch it for jack nicholson and shelly duvall you can because she was broken after the movie and he ascended or if he hadn't already been the best actor of like the 20th century other than marlon brando and God, dude, I might rewatch The Shining tonight, honestly. I'm talking myself into it. You brought up war movies, and I forgot to tell you that I'm out on any new war movie. Really? Why? Yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Like, what else is there to tell? Um, What about Oppenheimer? Is that going to count as a war movie? Dude, I don't fucking know. What is that movie? Is it about a scientist? Yeah, the new Christopher Nolan movie about the guy who discovered, just invents the atom bomb. Have you seen... Alright, here. I don't want to do top five war movies because we can save that for another pod. It'll be a very short list. But have you seen Doctor Strangelove, another Kubrick movie? No, but it's on my watch list. I think I downloaded it. <sighs> on my phone for a flight, but I fell asleep on the flight because I took fucking weed coffee creamer before. Jesus and saw Amish, and, and then I saw Amish people in the fucking... Uh, I don't know. What is it? The terminal. I was on my computer and I looked up and it really kicked in. It's like six thirty in the morning, and I look up. There's an Amish family, and they're on I the was, same coffee. And I was like, am, I was like, am I hallucinating right now? Because airplanes to me feel like the ultimate technology, and Amish people like don't use that. And then I went to the bathroom and I walked out of the stall, and I saw like this whole. The family, they're all wearing matching suspenders and little hats. And I just looked, I was like, I'm way too high. I started laughing. I couldn't keep it in. I've never seen an Amish family so close. And there was three, there were like three different sizes. There was like a dad, like a regular age, like a normal age kid, and like a baby. And it was like one of those Russian dolls where they just keep getting smaller. And it was Amish people. And I just started giggling and I had to get out of it. <laughs> Maybe they just go for the vibes. Maybe they go to the airport like once a year because like that's they what all through technology TSA. is. There's, there's nothing but technology in an airport. They're just, like, getting overloaded. It's just, like, technology bukkake for them once a year. And then that's just, like, their little... They don't tell any of the other Amish members in their community. They go in just so they can get a, They can use the touchscreen of McDonald's to get a McGriddle. 
Yo, you know what? You know what's crazy is I was at Chipotle last week. There was Amish people there eating Chipotle. The Amish be fucking crawling around, man. They're everywhere. Yeah, bro. I didn't see any horses in the parking lot either. They must have Ubered to get there. They must have got a new constitution. Yeah, something like that. They're renovating, dog. This um, new right. Amish, pre- this new progressive Amish president is like, yo, we got Twitter now, but we're not using hospitals. Okay. Countdown. What was it? So we had hereditary at number five. We had. I didn't write mine down. I don't okay. Know. It doesn't matter. Fuck it. Who cares? Nothing really matters. You get out at one. I have the shining at one. I get out at two. You have the birds at two. If I go that way, it works better for some reason. I don't remember what your yeah. number three was. It's probably some bullshit. Um, it was yeah. Silence of the Lambs. And <laughs> that was my number yeah. four. Um, we're just doing this from memory right now. Mine well, was Lighthouse was, at four. My, was, my three was Psycho. And our five was Hereditary. There it is. Right there. Clean yeah. sweep. All right, cool. Um, all right, Jack and I will be back Monday morning. Um, talking about Succession. Um, we'll also be talking about French Dispatch, so another TV and movie oh, pod for yeah. you guys. We're super excited to talk about that. I'm really excited to see it. And then we will be back again next Thursday talking about the NBA. So thank you guys for listening. We love you. We love you. We love you. Um, we love you. Good night. Love you. Good night. Love you. <laughs> oh, right, all right, all right.